0: Hello, I'm Mariette Slema. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others, introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today we're looking at how to help your animals deal with crime issues. My guest is Jenny Schoen, International Animal Communicator and Healer from Midvale. Welcome, Jenny. Good morning, Mariette, and thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you back. (laughs) And to our listeners, after our conversation, Jenny will give us three tips on communicating telepathically with animals, and then it will be fun question time. Jenny, for those listeners who haven't heard our two episodes, One was on telepathic animal communication, and the other on what happens when your pet dies. Could you explain our innate ability to listen or talk to animals? Yes. Well,
1: animals, both um, domestic and wild, are sentient beings. So there are still people out there that don't believe that, but animals are definitely sentient beings, which means they are very connected to the the earth, the energy around them, to the people around them. Um, They're very aware of, of the world around them. And the way we communicate telepathically with them is it's a silent communication. So when they are yapping or barking, I mean, I had my aunt once say to me, I must please talk to her little dog because when she comes home, he yaps and yaps and yaps and she can't hear what he's trying to say. And it's not when they're making a noise, I will explain to you, it's oh. not when he's making a noise that he's talking. That is just attention-seeking, drawing your attention. It's when he's quiet that he's, they're actually talking. So if we can still our own minds, calm ourselves down, focus on our breathing, we can then connect on a telepathic level. It's a very deep level, and um, the way that animals do communicate, they we're talking about telepathic communication because they've got many ways of communicating, but the telepathic communication is where they, they will send you pictures. You will see an impression of something they're trying to get through to you. You might hear a, a voice. Uh, some people are lucky enough to hear a voice. You might get a, feel sensations. Whatever you feel, hear, see, experience while you're connected to that particular animal is how they are feeling. You will feel exactly what they... They will
0: put their feelings into you to let you know how they're feeling. Can you tell us more about the animals you live with?
1: Well, I've got a a whole – well, at the moment I can call it a circus of animals because they're (laughs) full of nonsense. We've got four dogs. Two of them are puppies, so they're quite new to the family, and they keep us very, very active and very entertained. And we've got a cat who's a stray that wandered in. He's a feral, but he's been living with us now for, oh, I think about 10 years, if not more, and he's fitting in very well to the family. And then I've got four donkeys, all rescued from the Highfield Horse Care Unit. And um, a horse that's also been rescued. He was rescued recently, a few months back, also from Horse Care Unit. Then I've got a miniature horse and a miniature mule, which really, for those that don't know, a mule is a cross between a horse and a donkey. So I've got a miniature Miniature mule and a miniature horse as well. So those are the animals in our family. And then I have got the occasional husband as well. He comes <laughs> and goes. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. He always seems very happy to me when I see. Him. Yes. <laughs> now coming to our topic, Jenny. South Africans are no strangers to crime. Are you often asked to assist families with their pets when they've experienced crime episodes? I, I am. Yes, actually I am,
1: and. It's not an easy thing dealing with, with crime and with animals because the animals are so sensitive. And every single animal is individual. So just, just the same as with people, every person experiences a crime differently from somebody else. Not everybody reacts the same way to certain crimes that happen to them themselves. And the animals are exactly the same. In fact, the animals that we share our homes with take on all our stresses, our angers, our insecurities. So the more affected we
0: are by something happening in our own home, the more affected they will become as well. I think that's rather an important insight because it means that if there has been a crime episode, you should not only be concerned about your animals, but do some self-care as well. Absolutely. Um, I'd say there are
1: things you can do to help the animals deal with it, and I'm sure we're going to be discussing that shortly. But it's very important to not forget about yourself. Take whatever measures you need to get yourself back in a stable situation for your animal's sake so that they can heal from from the trauma that has just happened. It's a very difficult one because it's easy to talk for Mm. somebody that's not directly involved. But if you are directly involved with with a, a serious crime, it's not easy to... To push it out, and you shouldn't push it out. Yes. You should deal with it, focus on it, and clear it out of your system. Not push it back, not hide mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Because the animals, they don't only react to what they hear you saying or see you doing, they react to what they feel you feeling inside. So you, this, you can't hide something from an animal. They see the thought behind the thought. So if you try to be happy, you try to be relaxed, they're going to see behind that, they're mm-hmm. going to see through it. Mm-hmm. So that, that is what is difficult mm. when dealing with animals that have experienced crime.
0: Now, as you've said, like your animals form a very integral part of your family. That is very yes, often the yes. case, that animal companions form an integral part of a family. In your book, Perfect Voices, and that's purr like, like a cat does, you said We don't realize that our dogs and sometimes cats often feel responsible for allowing the perpetrators into our homes and not being able to prevent the theft or crime from happening. Could you elaborate? Yes,
1: they absolutely do. And this is where I'm going to actually mention that it is so important to give your animals jobs. And a lot of people will give their dog, for instance, a job of protecting the home. And I feel... I would never do that. I would never give that particular job to the dog simply because they will naturally protect the home. By giving them that job, if something happens and they haven't been able to protect it, that's when they feel guilty and that's when they feel bad and that can affect them. Um, So it's it's very important to understand the depth of the the feeling that they have and connection with the energy around them, which is the emotions they feel coming from their people, the emotions they feel
0: coming from, the environment. So it's very important to just remember that. Before we get back to our topic, what would an example be of a job that you could give to one of your animals?
1: Um, well, you know, even even fish, even everything really has an awareness. So there is something you can give everybody. And what I normally like to give the dog the job of, if there, are, for instance, two dogs in the family, i 'll ask the one dog to help the other dog relax, feel safe, and be calm that 's their job and then the other dog I would help ask that particular dog to help the, the the other dog maybe learn how to play, learn how to be more outgoing, depending on the personality of the actual dogs give them something that's that's not um, too much responsibility for them to handle yeah yeah and and the same for a cat i mean cats really if they feel any serious stress happening in the home, they tend to run away and hide. But you can also ask the cat to send their energy to the whole situation to keep it peaceful and calm once once everything is over, you know, once the crime is over yes. and the people have left. Um, you know, you can give them a... Also, I focus on giving them a job that will help them feel calm. Because yes. in order for them to pass that feeling on, they have to feel it themselves. Mm. Mm
0: to be yeah, able to pass it on. Very sensible. Thank mm-hmm. you. Getting back to to animals who feel responsible when perpetrators get into the home, do you have a story along these I lines? I do. I've
1: actually got two stories that I've marked down to, to mention this morning. And the first one was a young couple with kids. They had had a housebreaking. The housebreaking was probably about... A week to two weeks before they contacted me and their dog um, the behavior of the dog had changed the dog was not timid it's easy for us to anticipate and say oh it's because it was stressed or it's because of this because of that but when i connected with the dog the dog mentioned to me because they said two people had broken in the dog mentioned to me there were actually three people and one was outside in the car And what they'd done is they'd come in and they'd stolen a bicycle out of the garage. Now, they didn't give me any of this information. The dog gave me this information. So I passed that on to them and I said the dog was feeling guilty. And I I then counseled the dog and explained it's not his responsibility. They are just happy that nothing happened to him. The bicycle can be replaced, whereas if something happened to him, he couldn't be replaced. So that already made him feel better. And when I gave the information to these people, they said, yes, they, they did have a... bicycle that was stolen out of the garage so the dog was very aware and the dog felt guilty for allowing these people to to take the bicycle out and not preventing that from happening so that is one easy case the next one was a little bit more traumatic Um, these people had a maltese i think it was a little maltese and a, a pit bull and Pit bulls are absolutely lovely dogs. I mean, they've got a very bad reputation, bad rap, but they are really, really nice dogs. And this pit bull was... It had suddenly developed a a whole lot of behaviour issues since this, um, this housebreaking had happened. And when I spoke to the pit bull, the pit bull said that the picture she showed me was of the little dog running and hiding under the bed in the bedroom and people coming into the... the, It was one of these kitchens um, with a serving nook, a breakfast nook in it. They were all sitting at the breakfast nook, and the um, perpetrators came into the kitchen. They all had firearms, they were all armed, and they were threatening to shoot the dog. So the the man of the family, he begged and pleaded with them not to shoot the dog. He said he'll put the dog outside, which he did. They luckily allowed him to do that. He put the dog outside, but... He had a glass, slide glass door. So everything that was going on inside, these people were tied up to the chairs in the kitchen. The, The wife and the husband were both tied up to the chair and the place was ransacked. And this dog could see everything that was going on, but he couldn't get to them because he was outside. And that's what the problem, that's what made the difference. So I had explained to this dog again, same as the previous one, that the most important thing of this whole incident is that he was okay. His human father, called him a father, made sure he was safe by putting him outside. It was not his fault, he was not responsible, and they are luckily safe as well. And they didn't know where the little dog had gone, so they wanted me to find out. <laughs> the little dog had run and was hiding underneath the, the bed, in one of the bedrooms. And that's what the dog had told me. With mm. all the pictures to show me where the little dog had run and how many people had come in and exactly what the, the whole mm. story was.
0: Mm. And then the behaviour issues calmed down. And then the minute
1: I managed to speak to the dog and explain what had happened, and I, gave, I always leave them with techniques because no animal communicator is that good that they can just speak to an animal and it will immediately listen. And animals are still... They have their own minds, their own thoughts, their own feelings. So it doesn't mean they're going to listen. So I have to leave them with the techniques to use, visualization techniques, mantras, whatever it is. I've got a whole bunch of techniques that I I like to to use. And and then they would have to do that with that dog. But within a week after me speaking to the dog, she was a lot better. She was much better. She was well on the way to recovery Mm. from her traumatic experience.
0: Thank you, Jenny. In Perfect Voices, you also wrote, sometimes our animals put themselves at risk in an attempt to try to protect us and stop the crime from happening. Could you say more about this? Yes, sometimes, I mean,
1: people have got dogs, even cats. I've I've heard of cats that have actually jumped on somebody to get them off somebody else, or a dog that's, that's tried to intervene. Sometimes with Dramatic um, results, which is why this, this man was luckily he managed to convince these people to let him put the dog outside so it wouldn't get into a position where they would shoot it because it's trying to protect them. Because animals, dogs, our dogs really do try and protect us. However, they are, you know, it's like I mentioned earlier, every animal is different, just like every person. And some animals manage to stay calm and centered and go in for the attack, whereas other animals are very emotionally unbalanced, and those are the animals that tend to run away. And it's not the attack they're running away from, it's the energy around it, the anger, the, the, the fear, all of those things that cause it to run away. And these are animals that need to be really carefully worked with, so that they don't feel bad afterwards mm. that they've Abandoned ship, Mm, as you know, so to speak, you know, that they did the right thing by getting out of the situation to let the people deal with whatever's going on on their own
0: the way that they could do the best. In your book, you explained that you often get information from animals regarding crime episodes that involve them. You've just told the story of this pit bull, just told two, yes, yes. I have got another
1: story that um, this just shows you that. When you're communicating on a telepathic level with animals, you don't get clear information. And whoever's doing the the communicator that's working with that particular animal has to then piece the information together. And the information comes through. Whatever you get on the information is generally 100% accurate. Where we sometimes tend to make a mistake is in the interpretation, how we interpret interpret that. And the story I'm going to mention here is a case of a young girl who was murdered and she was actually murdered in front of her little dog that's the information I got that she was there with a little dog and what she showed me what she kept on showing me was this this young girl's boyfriend so I had to then sift through all the information that I got from her and I figured out it wasn't the boyfriend wasn't the one responsible for the murder, because she shows a, a description of this person. So I could have gone with the description and said, "This is the one who caused the, yes. who murdered her," and it wasn't. That was the one that the little dog was thinking of, that she wanted to be with, oh. that would comfort her after having this whole very traumatic experience. Mm. Um, so it's it's just very, you know, you can't also go up to the police and say. This is the, the culprit. This is the person you need to look for. This is the. Because I've also been given partial license plate numbers from dogs in the past. This is a partial license plate number. This is what the car looked like. You go to the police station and, and they'll say to you, Where did you get this info? And yes. you say, Well, the family dog told me. Yes. That's, no, that's not, it's gonna not go going to go down very well. <laughs> so you've got to be also careful on that side. You can't. Um, there's nothing can stand up in court working yeah. with an animal yeah. communicator. Yeah. But there could be helpful information. You give leads um, to the people involved and they can pass the leads on and Mm. then the the, the police are the ones who have to investigate Mm -hmm. because
0: we're not um, detectives. Yes. (laughs) I also read that you're careful never to re-traumatise an animal when you ask them about the crime they experienced.
1: Absolutely, because as mentioned previously, and the same goes for working with animals that come from shelters or abused, neglected, rescue animals. In order for them to tell you about their past or what's happened to them or the crime that they've been involved with, they actually physically have to relive it. And sometimes that can be too traumatic. It can really be quite traumatic for them. So what I do is I ask them, I tell them that they are special and I tell them that they are brilliant and I'm just wanting to get a bit of information from them they are safe, let them know that 100% they are safe, whatever they say here, the information is safe, um, I'm not going to give it to anybody that is not going to be responsible with that information and um, for, for them to be able to give you that information they have to relive it, so they this is really not very great to them so what they do as a result, the way I handle it, is I, I give them the option to tell me or not to tell me, and they will very often throw in little bits of snippets of certain things that have happened to them, either that crime incident or in their past history, little things, but not the whole story. Mm-hmm. And then I can piece together the picture from what they've, what they've mm-hmm. given me mm-hmm. without putting any pressure on them. Yeah. So it's a respectful process. Yes, you've got to be very respectful mm-hmm. and, and very intuitive. You need to um, be very intuitive. You need to feel mm-hmm. how much that animal is going to be able to tell you mm-hmm. if asking this question is going to be too much for that animal, if you should rephrase the question. Sometimes just rephrasing it makes a big difference to the way they pick it up. It's a bit of a complicated, yes. complicated yes. thing. And this is why it's so important for us to... You know, we are all born intuitive, and we just create blockages as we get older. And it's just important for us all to open up that intuition so we can feel what's right, what's not right, what... We should be saying what we shouldn't be saying when we start communicating with the animals in this way. Yes, and that's why it's helpful to to get trained in that. Yes, because a lot of it is second nature. We know it, but we just forget about it. Mm. And if somebody points it out to us, Mm. we say, oh, i have forgotten about that. Oh, yes, uh, I agree with that. And we suddenly start remembering um, certain things, yes, yes. but it, t- it does take some t- sometimes somebody to just point out, you know, mm. do it like this or like this or like this or that type of thing, mm. yes
0: Criminals often drug animals before they attack, have you had experience with this?
1: I haven't personally had experience with this but I do know that some of the things that they they use is like aerosol spray they can spray it into the eyes of the animal or they will poison them And there's been a lot of that going on lately where people's animals get poisoned. And what happens is they they poison the animals and sometimes we get them to the vet in time, but a lot of times you can't because it's a very quick-acting poison they use. And um, it's very traumatic and very tragic when this happens. But this is where I, I need to point out that it is so important, it's vital, that our animals, particularly our dogs sleep inside the house with us because there are still people a lot of people i know a lot of clients that dogs are outside some dogs choose to be outside but a lot of dogs sleep outside in kennels and those are the easiest targets not that the ones inside can't also be targets they can so you've got to be very aware of noises sounds whatever you hear going on be totally aware and if an animal is part of the family being in the home, being part of the family they feel part of the family that's where they become protective of the family however if they are out in the garden and you just go and see them every day and you give them food out there and you play with them once or twice or you just leave them in the garden all the time and they're not part of the family in the home they will then protect themselves because they're not a close member of the family they don't see themselves as that so it's very important that our dogs sleep with us and this is also important to to notice their behavior because a lot of their communication is in their behavior as well. And I can mention, I haven't put this down to talk about, but an incident I had with my huskies. My huskies are very silent animals. They, they do make a lot of noise. They sing a lot and they do that, but they're very silent. And they will literally welcome anybody into the home. Anyone, come, take what you want, go, do what you want. You know, they're very social animals And it's a husky that I had, the one that's on the cover of my first book, Pause and Listen, Riff Raff. He was sleeping upstairs in the bedroom with me, and the other dogs were up there as well. And one night, I just felt him move. He was on the bed, and I just felt him get off the bed, so I opened my eyes to see, and he was dead silent, but he was stalking towards the window. His tail was out, his nose was out, and he was looking out the window, and I knew there was something going on. So I got up, and the first thing I do is protect my dogs. Close the door so they stay in the bedroom with me, so they're not they, I don't want the, any of my dogs to protect me by running after anybody that's in the house, in case they're armed. And I looked out the window, and there was a shape under the window of the lounge just below the bedroom. And it looked to me like a, a pot plant, but I don't remember putting a pot plant there. So I stuck my head out the window and I shouted. I said, hey, what are you doing? And three people jumped out of the window. They'd been in the house, in the lounge, just below where I was. They jumped out and went running down. My whole fence was cut open. um, The TV was gone. They'd, they'd, They'd been in the house. And Riff Riff alerted me, but silently. So it's important not to wait for the dogs to bark or make a noise. We often say to them... Why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't you tell me that? And they did. In the meantime, and we just didn't notice mm-hmm. it. We didn't recognise what they were telling us. So it's very important to be in tune with your animals, yes. so you you can identify if there's a change in their behaviour.
0: If you know if there's something not right mm-hmm. at that moment. Mm-hmm. And that also ties with. Going back to when animals are drugged or poisoned, so you must be very alert when there has been a crime episode to see if your dogs look normal or your other animals.
1: The trouble is when they do the poisoning, they use something called two-step, which literally means the dog takes two-step and then it collapses. Sure. So there's very little time. But if you notice any abnormality, any vomiting or anything like that, there are things you can... You can give the dog to just clear the poison out of the system while you get it to the vet, but it's very important to get it to the vet as as Mm. soon as possible, Mm -hmm. urgently.
0: When an animal has been poisoned, for instance, I suppose you can also help the the owners uh, work with with that grief. Yes, and also one of the things, you
1: know, there's no no such thing as death. Death does not exist when an animal or even a person dies. They, they're just shedding their physical body and they're moving into a different dimension. So a lot of what I do is communicating with the the soul of the animal that has passed on. It's not, even for me, it doesn't um, make me feel happy that I can do this or it doesn't make me feel happy that I can talk to this animal or that animal. you still got the desperate feeling of, you know, that you, you're helpless. And you want your, your dog back with you. But it is something It just gives you a little bit of comfort knowing that they are still with you in the, in
0: the soul form. Yes. Yes, I know you also love your animals very much. And in fact, it was one of your animals that got you on the road Absolutely. to your telepathic communication. Yes, yes. Would you like to tell that story? It was a little Jack Russell that
1: I had. Her name was Smurphy. And she came into my life. She, in fact, I had her mother. And then I had her and her brother were born from her mother. I don't believe in breeding, but they were born before I took the mother in to have her spade. And Smurfy became my absolute soulmate. And it's not because she's any... I love her more than any of the other animals. I love all the animals equally. But there was just something a little bit different about her. And she was my absolute soulmate. And it was oh, a long time ago, it was on Good Friday three o'clock in the morning I woke up she she had collapsed so I phoned a vet up the road not my usual vet and I organized he came with his, his in his pajamas I rushed it into the surgery he took her straight in and they couldn't they couldn't save her she'd had cancer which I was not aware of and her her stomach had basically ruptured and she'd passed away at the vet's rooms. And I was absolutely heartbroken. I literally couldn't get out of couldn't get out of my bedroom for four months. And eventually my parents came to, to look after me because my husband was working in the Middle East, and they came to look after me. And after four months, I lay in bed thinking, I can't just die. It's what I wanted to do. I lay there and I thought, I've got other animals. I've got Smoothie's brother. I've got her mother. And horses. I've got horses. I've got other animals. They need me. So I've got to pull myself together. But I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to go about this. And a friend of mine came to me and said, would I consider going to for a psychic reading? Now I'd never, ever considered doing mm-hmm. psychic readings in the past. I believe your power is your power. Don't give it to somebody else to tell you what's going on in your life. But... um out of desperation I made an appointment and I went to this lady a week later and I sat with her I didn't tell her anything about what had happened and an hour and a half later we were sort of wrapping it up and I thought you know there are a lot of things she said made sense but nothing was earth shattering until I got up to leave and she said by the way who's this little black and white dog that's sitting at my ankle and the more I talk the louder she barks and that was Murphy and that put a lot on, and that is she her sacrifice is what got me on this path today, which which has put me on the path of of healing of helping others dealing with with the same sort of traumatic experiences. So I can I'm always thankful to her for for doing that, although I would have rather chose. You know, this is the other thing is, when you have um, an awakening like that, I call it like an awakening, it doesn't come through an easy experience. Yes. It takes a dramatic experience to to make you snap out of your monotonous life and wake up and start thinking, oh, you know, a change needs to happen. And that is what smooth, Smoothie's passing did for me. Mm-hmm. It woke me up, made me realise that I had these telepathic abilities and made me investigate further till eventually uh, I then mean,
0: came onto this path that I'm on now. Yes, yeah. yes. I love hearing that story because mm. it is sad, but it's also so inspirational. Yes, yes. Now, an important question, how can owners help their pets process any trauma due to crime episodes?
1: It's a difficult one because you're dealing here not only with the the animals and what they're feeling, but yours, your, the people and what they're feeling, the humans in the family. But the best thing that anybody can do for their animals is to not make any changes, dramatic changes in within the home. Keep the the routine completely consistent, be consistent with everything, and do something fun with the dogs every day. So it's not so easy when you are dying inside. But take them for a walk. Be as calm as possible with the with the, the animals and, and just keep a little spark of fun. Um, in the home so that they can help to deal with the stress Mm. I've also got a a mantra that I use and what it is is it's very very helpful with insecure animals animals that have suddenly started biting through fear or you know fear bitters or aggressive animals there's a reason why they've become aggressive but especially in a crime situation there's a lot of anger a lot of fear a lot of insecurity so this helps all of that where somebody would sit next to their dog or stand if if, if it's a horse for instance but we're talking about dogs now so they'd sit next to their dog and stroke from the head down the body and off the tail as if they're sweeping it out of the dog and each time they do it they do it three times and each time they do it they say I release my anger and calm my mind I release my anger and calm my mind three times repeat it and do it you can do it more often than once a day but if they do it at least once a day for a minimum of ten days, then they can give it a break for a few days, and then if they need to, they can repeat the, the process again. but that helps the animals process some of the blockages from certain because they develop blockages just same as we do from certain experiences. It helps to clear those blockages out of their system without them having to talk about it, in mm-hmm. other words mm-hmm. it 's like you know we would go to a therap- therapy session to help clear it out of our system. Mm-hmm. And this is some way that you can clear it out of their system without them doing anything.
0: Thank you, Jenny. I'll I'll mention the mantra in the podcast notes, but it's easy to remember. I release my anger and And calm 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 my mind. mind, Calm my mind. Do you have any more stories that illustrate how domestic animals may experience crime? You know, can I mention the difference of the energy? Um, in the different provinces. Yes,
1: yes. Because animals are so connected to the energy, the earth energy, our energy, the energy of the environment. And what I found fascinating was when I would travel quite a bit to do workshops and consult with animals and so on, I would go to sometimes Durban, Plettenberg Bay, Cape Town, Namibia, all these different places. And every different place I went to, different town or different province, the animals were different because the energy in that province is different. So when you're working with an animal in Johannesburg, there are a lot of areas that have got high crime rates, but we focus now on Johannesburg because that's where we basically are based right now. The animals in Johannesburg are very busy animals, very stressed animals, very easily angered easily upset easily quite emotional and it's very different to an animal that you would meet down at the coast and i believe it's because of the atmosphere the energy surrounding them in that whole environment they're in is different and that's what makes them react differently so our animals are so much more uptight you'll get a lot more for instance vicious dogs in the johannesburg area that you will get for instance in Plittenberg Bay you know they it's it's like people I mean we 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 go and visit Cape Town and the people in Cape Town are so different to the people yes. here. they're so laid back time means nothing to them they just <laughs> go with the flow whereas here we we we're against the clock all the time you know mm, and are. our animals are same as a result mm. picking up our energies that
0: is fascinating yeah.
1: so <laughs> it's strange but it's it I found it Fascinating when
0: I Mm. looked into it, Mm. you know, to Mm. see exactly what was going on. And it just made a lot of sense. Mm. So the animals respond to the energy and humans also respond to the energy, whether we know it or not. Yes, yes, exactly. Just a quick explanation of what I do. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My website contains a growing collection of content on emotional and physical health, parenting, love relationships, and the life challenges and stages we all face. Each episode or article showcases a therapist coach or other wellness professional so you can get to know them and easily find an expert who resonates resonate with you, should you need one. I've interviewed more than 100 well-being providers from different countries. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. If you enjoy getting a glimpse of the person behind the professional, Click on Up Close and Personal on my website for articles on many of the experts I've featured. And if you're a wellness professional interested in being my podcast guest or being featured in an article on my platform or perhaps in a South African magazine, take a look at services on my website and send me an email. Now, back to my guest. Now we're coming to missing animals. I know you've assisted many o- owners in finding missing animals. you also write about that. And sometimes a pet gets stolen. How does the animal who gets stolen experience this? This is also quite
1: traumatic because when you're working with missing animals, I call them missing because animals are very seldom lost. Um, when a cat goes, if a cat goes wandering, it's, it knows exactly where it's come from. As they walk on the ground, they they map with their scent, like a GPS map as they walk, and they can follow that to come home. They can also follow the earth energy. There's a map under the ground of energy, and cats can see this and they follow it so they can get back. The only time that, that um, it derails them is if they're stolen, If they're put in a box or in the boot of a car, they've got no idea where they Mm. are, and they're they're stress-attached. Then when you're working with a missing animal and and you come across something like that, all you're going to see, because what I teach in my courses is how to look through their eyes so you can see what's going on around them. And if they're in a box or a boot or closed up in a room, that's all you're going to see. You're not going to be able to... People still have the misconception that We'll give them a address or a phone number or a person's name or an exact location. And it doesn't work like that. Even with the animals that are not stolen, they move. They don't sit still. So you might find, you might get information, sort of landmarks to look out for, not exact spot in certain area or smells, you know, like a, a specific plant that might be growing in that area to give you an idea, idea of where to, to look. But half an hour later... It might have moved on, mm-hmm. that animal. So it's a very d- difficult situation when you're dealing with missing animals. But there is um, a story of, of a lady that was helping me with the missing animals. She asked me to help because she said a c- client of hers, Husky, Siberian Husky, had been stolen. And she they couldn't find it. They didn't know where it was. And she said she's been working with this dog for quite a while now. And is it possible for a dog that's got blue eyes when she communicates with it on a telepathic level that it's got changes the colour of the eyes. I said no it's impossible, if it's got blue eyes it's got blue eyes if connecting with the dog with brown eyes she's connecting with a different dog, it's not the same dog so I said to her give me the photograph so that I can see what I can find and what, what it turned out to be was there was a syndicate, I saw a whole lot of Siberian huskies all in a in a smallish room, in a sort of very scruffy area in Cape Town. It wasn't even in Johannesburg, it was in Cape Town. And it was a syndicate that had been going around stealing stealing huskies. So I gave them the information and I said, it's not just the one, the other dog's involved as well. And what they need to do is now they need to take the information, however crazy it sounds, and go to the police and say that there's a number of huskies that have been stolen and you feel that they could possibly be in this in this particular area, and you'd like them to investigate, because they're the ones that need to do the investigation. And they did that, and when they, they spoke to the police, the police said to them that they've actually been looking for a syndicate. They've been working on it because they're aware that there is a syndicate stealing, stealing dogs, and they were busy already investigating. Did they find they the dogs? Did, eventually they did find them. It took a while, but eventually they did find them, yes. Sure. Which doesn't always happen, you know, some some instances there's no happy ending to some of the, mm. the cases, mm. but there are for some, and that's what counts, mm.
0: you know, that there are some mm. that you can help. Before we wrap up, I wanted you to tell the story of the fish during the crime incident, please. Yes, and this
1: also just sort of proves that all the animals have got an awareness, and we think fish in a tank can only see what's going on around them, the plants in their tank, and the water they're swimming through and the rocks that you put in their tank and the other fish in their tank. Not so. They're very, very aware. They can identify people. And this one story I'm going to tell you now is a friend of mine living in Pretoria. He had a fish in a, in a tank in his lounge and one night he was fast asleep in the middle of the night and he suddenly heard this fish jumping in the water, splashing and splashing and splashing and making a huge noise in the tank, bashing against the edge of the tank making a, a, a scene in the tank, he thought, I'd better go and check. So he walked through to his lounge, and there was an intruder in the lounge. And lucky, lucky for him, the intruder ran ran away when he saw him coming. He didn't shoot him, because now he's got to be careful of that, because they mm. all armed these days. And the fish had actually alerted him to a stranger in the house, was at the wrong time of night, the lights are supposed to be off, no one's supposed to be there, the fish had alerted him to this. The dog was having the night off. He was still asleep on the bed. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought that, I just really enjoy that story because it just Mm. shows that fish have got an awareness. Mm. And just talking about the awareness of fish, I was visiting a friend of mine years ago, and she had some exotic fish in a tank, but a huge big tank. And I don't know what type of fish they are, but they were very big fish, and... I went up to the tank close because I wanted to see what the fish saw in me so I went close to the tank and I was watching these fish swim around and they showed me a picture of myself and they could see literally every single blemish on my face. Oh my goodness. They could see every single wrinkle (laughs) and it looked ten times worse than what I was aware of. They could see everything. And so my friend after that said she's not going to stand next to the tank anymore. (laughs) She doesn't
0: want to look old and crinkly. (laughs) Oh, that's a lovely story. Jenny, could you tell us about the courses you offer?
1: Yes, uh, the courses in telepathic communication... Mm. I offer the the level one, which is the introduction to telepathic communication, which explains how animals communicate on a telepathic level. We're not talking about body language, but on a telepathic level with each other and how we can open our own channels that we've shut off. How we can clear our blockages, open our intuition so that we can connect with them on the same level. The second one, I focus a lot on... Doing um, working with missing animals, all the techniques we use of how to guide the animals home on their own, how to locate the area that they are in, how to use the energy um, working with missing animals, how to even tell whether they've potentially passed on, if they've had an accident or if they're still out there. You know, we've got that in the second level. Together with that, in that level, I also teach um, intuitive medical body scan where you can literally look, almost like looking at an X-ray, looking at the animal, seeing inside, looking for any abnormalities. But we're not vets, so we can't diagnose. But we can see potential issues and then we can take the the animal to the vet and say, look, can you just check this or can you just check that for me? The vet has to have the final say there. But we can lead them into the the right direction. And then... um, The third one is a master's course where you can put all your telepathic experience together and and go to a much deeper level, understanding the energy, the way the energy works, the way the aura works around the animals, around us, how they're affected by our aura, how our aura changes depending on our thoughts, how their aura changes depending on their thoughts, um, the chakras, which are the energy centers within the body, how ours differ from the animals they've got two extra chakras that we don't have um you know that that type of thing so we go very deep onto the energy side of of working with animals and the healing which is what you're going to need when you start working on the energy on that level to have a better understanding of how to heal because um not all animals as difficult as this is to understand not all animals want to be healed So you have to be respectful. You have to, if they don't want you to do anything, you step back. They've got their own reasons. Sometimes it's because they don't want you to know what's going on because they don't want to stress you or they don't want treatment because this is something they've got to go through on their life path, their soul's path. It's something that they've chosen. um, As hard as it is for us to understand Mm -hmm. that, it's how it is with them. And um, other times they just, you know don't want us to be involved in what's going on with them. And when they when they take on our energy, it's not something they don't sit there thinking, oh, you've now, she's got arthritis, I better take it off her and keep, give myself arthritis. They do pick up our ailments um, and things like that in our emotional state, but they don't do it consciously. Mm. It's a subconscious thing. It's mm. just an unconditional form of love that they demonstrate yes. by taking it on. yes.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. And, and do the courses involve wild animals as well? I do have some that we work with wild animals because wild animals
1: are working with a wild animal. Now we're talking real wild animals, mm-hmm. not captive bred animals. They, they function on a very different level. They're very much more connected to the universe. So they can give you a lot of information. On, they can give you health issue information on yourself, they can see what's going on with you. They can read your aura, but they can give you spiritual information. Mm. They're very high up on the spiritual level. And not all of them realize it until you point it out. I mean, this with domestic animals as well. Until you tell them they're spiritual beings, some of them don't realize because they got so bogged down by our energy. They've, they've forgotten, just like we do. We forget. And then it takes us to just acknowledge them as a spiritual being for them to say, wow, okay. And then from there on they start... Blossoming, And the same happens with the wild animals. Yes. I, I had a, an incident when I was working with a captive-bred wild animal. He was in a huge, big place. And I went there and I used to just go and send him healing and to his whole pride and just spend was time. Was that a lion? A lion, yes. uh, Sorry, I didn't mention that. No. <laughs> and I spent time with him. And one day I got there and I was preparing myself to send all this energy to him and He said to me, will you stop it? What makes you think we need this energy? You are the guys that need this energy. We are fine as we are. We can heal ourselves. We don't need you healing us. Stop it. We're the ones that need to heal you. And that was also a lesson to me. Yes. Get the permission first, always, obviously. Mm -hmm. And also the the human race is the one that needs Mm -hmm. the the healing. Mm -hmm. Not the animals. There are animals that do need it. Yes, absolutely. But... Most of our healing can come from the from. It's particularly the wild animals mm. around us, mm. the birds in our garden, the the frogs, the lizards. You know, all of those animals can can
0: create healing for us. We've just got to recognise it and ask mm. for it. Mm. Yeah, and that's where your books are important. Uh, first. Since we've mentioned the courses, could you just say what your website is, the address? Um, If they want to find out more about the courses Mm -hmm. or the books, they can go to the website, which is
1: www.animalhealing.co.za, or they can contact me directly and I'll give them the information on Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at animalhealing.co.za.
0: Thank you. And I will connect that link the podcast, the okay. link to the address of your website. Yes, thank you. And now you must tell us more about the books please. The books? About I mean, what the books... Wh- why no, I re- just the two books, The Perfect Voices. Okay, the
1: Perfect Voices, uh, well the Pause and Listen to the Voices of the Animals was the first book I wrote and that's got a lot of experiences and techniques and meditations in it. Um, things that I've done that have helped me develop my, my abilities and stories messages from certain animals from horses from cats from dogs from some wild animals as well Um, it all comes in there but it's also got lessons in it so people can learn and get to understand the animals on a deeper level and perfect voices is um, it follows on the same sort of line but it's a lot focuses a lot more on going to a bit deeper with the energy connection and also there's a bit in that on the crime and how to deal with crime incidences where the animals are concerned. There's a little bit more involved in Perfect Voices, a little bit of a deeper connection there. And the third book, it's not out yet, and it's not going to be out for a long time. I am busy putting together information on working telepathically with wild animals. Mm. So that one's going to be focusing on just the wild animals and the wild animal connection and the, the spiritual connection of the animals and so on but on the wild side.
0: Yeah, we're waiting for that one. (laughs) Could you please give your three tips on communicating telepathically with animals? Okay. Now, the first and most important thing I would say was to keep
1: your mind calm. Because if your mind is busy when you're trying to work with an animal, firstly, you're going to confuse them because they pick up your thoughts. And secondly, you're not going to hear anything they've got to say. So the first thing I could say is your mind needs to be calm and the way you can calm it is by focusing on your breathing. Because you've got to give your left brain something to do so your right brain can focus on your intuition and your breathing is a good one, just counting your breath in and out slowly and that gets your, calms you, you down so that you can then receive the messages from the animals. The second tip would be you need very clear intentions. You need to know what you're wanting to ask You need to know exactly what the question is. Don't ask a sort of question that's sort of up in the air. It could be this or it could be that. It needs to be specific and needs to be absolutely consistent. You need to be clear of what you're wanting wanting to get from the animal without influencing the animal to give you the information that you're looking for. You've just got to be clear in your intentions and you need to be completely respectful. If you don't respect the answers you get, then you'll only do that once, and then your animal will, will close up next time because they can feel if you respect them. Mm-hmm. And what I what I like to do here is I always say, if you're working with only dogs or only cats or only horses, you, you're blocking yourself. You need to learn as much as possible as you can about all animals. about oh, I Wild animals, about the lion as opposed to the elephant and about the dog and the cat and the horse. Learn as much as you can about their their behaviour because the more you know about them, the more it shows that you respect. Yes. The respect Mm -hmm. you're showing them and the more information you'll receive. Mm -hmm. If you know nothing about dogs, you're not going to get as much information as you would if if you've got a well of information regarding dogs. Mm -hmm. And it just shows respect. If you can Mm -hmm. spend the time to get to know something about a lot of different animals that will just also come across as respect. Mm-hmm. And the animals, obviously, you know, we say that to people all the time, we don't think to do it to animals, but respect creates respect. So if you respect the dogs in your family or the cat, that also means respect that the cats maybe don't want to be cuddled or fiddled with, they want to be left alone, or respect the dog whatever it's doing I mean as long as it's not going to get into trouble or into, yes. into yes. you know into danger situation respect that it's a dog it has got dog behaviors and some of them you must just sort of close your eyes to but respect <laughs> it then the dog
0: will respect you in return yeah. yeah you once said that you should treat animals like you treat very intelligent children absolutely <laughs> yes yes yeah thank you Jenny <laughs> may I ask you a fun question Yes, you may. I don't Don't know if I can answer it, but I'm going to try. Let's see. If you could be a character in any fairy tale, any fairy tale, which character would you like to be?
1: I don't know if this is classed as a fairy tale, but the first thing pops to my mind, I would like to be, I don't know, I think Donkey in the the series, um, what was that series called? Um, It's not Winnie the Pooh you're thinking of. Not Winnie the Pooh. The there was another series. with With a donkey was involved in the series. Well, you could say e or but donkey. You know the big, big grey donkeys because yeah. I just love donkeys and their their energy and it's just
0: yeah. It'd be fun to be a donkey. Yes. yes, I don't know anybody else who has a donkey. Could you tell us a little about the energy? Well, donkeys are thought to be stubborn. They're not stubborn.
1: I've discovered. They just choose not to do certain things. (laughs) But they've got a very light energy. They're very naughty, but they're very playful. So I had three of my donkeys quite overweight because donkeys put on weight very quickly just through grazing. And I decided I was going to exercise them. I was going to let them run around my lunging ring that i trained the horse in. But I put them all three together and I tried to get them herding around here so they could (laughs) run around a little bit. And jeez, I got all the exercise and they were (laughs) sitting there looking at me, what are you doing? And (laughs) I was puffing and panting. So what I did in exchange as a a better way of exercising them was I put a whole lot of toys out. I put a cone, one of those plastic cones, a big blue one out. I put a soccer ball. I put a squeaky toy. I put a teddy bear. I put some tennis balls. I put various things out. A a chew to one of the dog's rope toys. I just put those all out in the arena where they, they run around all day. And they can play on their own and that just encourages them to play because they play. Mm. And that gives them exercise. Playing with each other gives them exercise. Mm. So I don't have to kill myself in order to get them thinner.
0: <laughs> That's a very good solution. <laughs> yeah. now, thank you, Jenny, for your insight. I so enjoy talking to you. you oh, so much for having hearing me. Hearing yeah. all of this. And and I really hope it will help people who who experience crime episodes, God forbid, but if it does happen, that they will know what to do with their, with their animals. Yes. Yeah. yes.
1: Thank yes, you. Yes, I'm hoping so. Thank you.
0: And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. I'd love you to subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If this episode inspired you, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website www.marietzneeman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Marietzneeman Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted, and edited by me with original music by Mark Marie Snyman catch you next tuesday at 9